This is the Indie Drills Podcast, and I'm your host, Chad Wilson. I'm also the owner of All Eyes DB Camp and author of 101 DB Tips. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about any and everything having to do with defensive back play. From technique to current events, we'll cover it all just like the guys in the back half blanket the wide receivers. I have over 20 years playing and coaching and training in this game, and I'm ready to use all of that experience to bring you the best experience in the Indie Drills podcast. So let's go. Listeners, if you haven't had a chance to do it yet, pick up your copy of the 101 DB Tips ebook. It's the ultimate reference guide for defensive back play. If you're a player, a coach, or a trainer of defensive backs, then this is something you absolutely have to have in your library. I discuss everything in this book from playing man-to-man coverage, to zone coverage, to how to train, to how to improve your footwork, your eye discipline, and body control. Literally everything pertaining to defensive back is covered in this book. Over 20 years of playing, coaching, and training defensive backs has gone into the making of this ebook, and I'm proud to say that it has helped players and coaches from the little leagues all the way to the college level. Make a point to check this book out now. If you're serious about being the best at what you do, make that purchase. You can find the book by going to 101dbtips.com. That's 101dbtips.com. Welcome to the Indie Drills Podcast, Episode 4. Appreciate you guys tuning in with me. Thanks for all the guys that have come on and listened to all three episodes by now. By the way, I am really, really happy with the amount of folks that have come on and have checked out the first three episodes of the Indie Drills Podcast. Um, I had a feeling uh, a podcast about defense and specifically defensive backs would do well because there just isn't a lot out there. People love wide receivers and offensive football but this has exceeded those expectations, and so I want to thank all of you have uh, that have become regular listeners to the Indie Drills podcast and um, continue to spread the word to bring others on. I appreciate that. I understand that this is a tool for players as well as coaches, so I'm happy to be here to do that for you. So if you are new here or you haven't had a chance to do it yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using to listen to the show so that you don't miss out on the next one. Man, I want you to be able to get that next one hot off of the presses. We've got a lot to get to today. Uh, I'm asking the question, are you a one-trick pony as a defensive back, specifically a corner? But are you a one-trick pony? We'll get into that today. I have a couple of questions from the social media channels where I ask people to go ahead and unload those questions. I don't even really have to ask. I get a lot of questions in my DMs, especially on Instagram, with people asking me questions about uh, various ways of playing the game. And, you know, I, I want my U.S. audience to understand this. And it sounds funny that I have to say U.S. audience, but there's sometimes I'll post things on Instagram. By the way, that's at all eyes uh, DB camp on Instagram. And, you know, I may post some things that are simple. Or, you know, there may be some questions that are asked by people on Instagram. And what people really need to realize, my U.S. audience needs to realize, is that social media and Instagram in particular allows people from all corners of the earth to participate in whatever content people are putting out. And so one thing that I've come to learn since starting my Instagram account is that football is being played all over the world. 
It's not just the U.S. and Canada. They're playing it in Mexico. They're playing it in Brazil. They're playing it in Germany. Playing it all throughout Europe and in Finland and in Norway and in Japan and in the Far East. In Japan, they're playing it all over the place. And so people in those areas are just now picking up the sport. So they don't have the working knowledge. It's not a part of the culture. In most of those places, soccer is the main thing anyway. So they don't have the working knowledge of the sport that you may have. So some of the questions may seem rather simplistic um, and, you know, perhaps maybe even foolish to you, but I am serving an audience that is now worldwide. And so I may post things or talk about things that are simplistic. And you know what, for you guys that are in the U.S., every now and then it's good to just review those basics as well. So I just wanted to get that out there um, and not have people look at me sideways when I get simplistic, both with questions that I ask or explanations that I give. And, and on that note, um, just an announcement that I've just released a video for those of you who are super brand new or you're fans of the game. I realize that you know some of the folks that I get on here are not necessarily coaches or players. They're just fans of the game that watch football and want to have a better understanding of the defensive side of the ball and the way things work. It's good to watch games on a Saturday or a Sunday or you know even a Friday night and have an increased knowledge over it. Um, it's it's good to kind of know a little bit more. It makes the game that much more fun. There's you know strategy inside of strategy when it comes to the game of football. So I just released a video tonight. And it's on the basics of man coverage. So if you just want a basic working knowledge of the man coverages, I break down the four basic man coverages that exist. And from that, all other man coverages are born. They start with the four ones that I've broken down in that video. So you can head over to my channel. It's uh, at Gridiron Studs on YouTube. Uh, you can go check that out if you're a new player or just even a coach. It just wants to look at the basics of that stuff. Um, it's all it all starts from there. So pretty basic stuff for fans and brand new coaches and players and things of that nature. So would find that interesting. What else do I have going on? Um, blog article that I've got out right now. It's talking about the um, you know some of the the five biggest mistakes that DB coaches make. And I've been there, so it's not me talking down to anyone. You know, I did play this game, but. Um, you know, when I became a coach, I was brand new to coaching, and it would have been nice to have known some of these things. Maybe some of you guys have been in coaching for a while, and you'll see a mistake on there that you're currently making, and this gives you an opportunity to clean that up. And some of these things I've picked up from players, and I'm talking about guys that are in the NFL. I'll ask them questions, and they'll tell me some things about the, that their coaches do that they don't particularly clear, uh, care for. And it would probably be in that coach's best interest in some of these cases to fix some of those things, clean some of those things up, because there is, you know, potentially a really good player there that um, can be can get unlocked if you know some of these errors can get cleaned up. So it's my last blog article that I've posted on there. It's avoid these top five DB coaching mistakes in the members area. I've got some great things going there as well. You know, a lot of players. Uh, even coaches have asked me to post workouts, so I've begun doing that there, uh, putting together some of the drills that I have in there. I have over 200 videos in there, by the way, with drills and tips and all kinds of good stuff in there. Um, and I've taken some of those drills and put them together for DB workouts. I realize that you know some players don't in certain parts of the country or the world, as I explained, we're into you know the audience is international. You don't necessarily have a DB trainer or coach that you can access during this time of year as you're trying to prepare for a season. 
So, you know, you're probably out at the park trying to get a workout in and it'd be nice to have some kind of structure or know what you're doing out there. So I've begun posting workouts. Yeah, I've posted my first workout there and it's, you know, working on the basics and you can't to, to you know, to be on the Mamba, Kobe Bryant um, mentality here, you cannot get bored with the basics. There's so many guys trying to go to advanced levels or trying to do things in their training that is is cutting edge or next level and you haven't even mastered the basics yet. You're kind of trying to do trigonometry when you've not yet mastered algebra. So you're going to wind up in a situation where you are just not good at anything and it's going to kind of slow your growth. So never get bored with the basics. So a couple of things that I have going on there. And then finally, I want to say, man, I am... Uh, Along with being pleased about the audience that I'm getting here on this podcast, I'm extremely pleased with the book sales. I'm in this month of June, which has eh, a day and a half left in it. This is the biggest day, the biggest month in terms of sales for the book 101 DB Tips. I'm extremely pleased about that. Is uh, you know just being able to put down my thoughts and some of the things that um, I believe in and have uh, been able to use to have success both as a player and as a coach and get it down on paper and um, have something published and put out there that people like. Um, I really, really appreciate that. And I'm also opening up, I, I do have a partner program where you can promote the book. If you're a purchaser of the book, like the book and you want others to have it, you can um, profit from that. So if we started a partner program uh, and you, you know, if you purchase the book, most likely you have received an email from me talking about the partner program where you could make some money promoting 101 DB tips. Uh, outside of that, if you didn't receive the email, you can go to shop.alliesdbcamp.com and um, hit the menu at the top, and you will see, you know, join our program, join our partner program, and get involved with that there. So, as I said question I'm asking today are, are you a one-trick pony? And this is for both my players out there that are listening as well as coaches. And in, in the coaching game, going to clinics, dealing with other coaches, talking to other coaches, um, and even in my time now as a trainer and speaking to coaches, I've noticed that a lot of coaches want to stick to one particular technique. And I'm talking specifically when we're talking about man coverage. There may be a number of reasons for that. Maybe this was the technique that was taught to you by a coach that you have a tremendous amount of respect for, a guy that um, maybe taught you in high school or college or something like that. Um, or, you know, it was just a technique that you used that worked really well for you. Have you been able to have success with that technique in coaching a couple of players? And so you are hardcore on that technique and perhaps you don't, Allow your players to do anything else but this one technique. Or if you're a player, this is the only technique that you have available to you. And I'm asking, are, is that you? Are you a one-trick pony? And I'm going to try and talk you into not being that. Let me give you the origin of this for me. I spent five years playing college football. And in those five years, I had five different DB coaches. Now, would it have been nice to have one DB coach for the entire five years? Perhaps. But I have seen an advantage that I have um, by having the five DB coaches. Not just in my playing, but even more so as a coach and even now as a trainer. With those five different DB coaches, I had guys with five different philosophies on press. 
No two coaches were the same. Um, all of the coaches had different ways of coming out of the break, which I thought was pretty cut and dry, pretty simple, but no. Um, guys that had different understandings and meanings and feelings about backpedaling, just about everything, just about every aspect of the game, they had different feelings about it in terms of technique for a defensive back in a corner, which is what I played in my playing days. And it brings to mind this, that there are different ways to skin a cat. There's no one technique that is the technique. It really has a lot to do with how it's taught and then how it fits the particular player. And I like to use baseball a lot in both my training and in analogies that I use when I'm talking about teaching this game of football. You don't even have to be a fan of the game of baseball. You need only to have watched it for just a little bit in your lifetime to notice that no two batters have the same batting stance. To sit here and say that one batting stance is the batting stance would be disproven rather easily by watching any of the greats or just watching a simple game on a Wednesday night. If you just turned on an ESPN and watched 27 batters come to the plate for one of the teams and notice that there are guys with completely different batting stances having success out there getting multiple hits or if you watch a game where guys uh, different guys have had home runs you'll realize that the two guys that or the multiple guys that hit the home runs didn't have the same batting stance yet they achieved the goal which was a hit and putting the ball over the fence and points for their team same applies in this game of playing defensive back kind of sort of yes there is a home base that you would like to have there's a main thing that a main technique let's say let's just say we're talking about press there's a main technique that you should have this is the main thing that i do it's my number one thing you don't want to be a complete smorgasbord of techniques and there isn't that one thing that you have you have to have a home base this is my strong thing it's similar to calling defenses this is our main coverage but we do have other coverages aside from that though it is in your best interest as a player and as a coach of players to give and have multiple tools at your disposal i do remember a game a couple of years ago where the Philadelphia Eagles were taking on the Seattle Seahawks, and maybe some of you watched this game and paid attention to it, and there was DK Metcalf going up against Darius Slay. And I could comfortably say, and Darius Slay, and I've talked about this, he's trained with me before, we've talked on the phone, uh, he willfully admitted that DK Metcalf was eating his lunch in that first half as Slay attempted to press him um, repeatedly. You know, Slay was shadowing DK Metcalf in this particular game, and he was he was getting the lesser uh, out of that matchup. He was, you know, like I said, getting his lunch eaten. Uh, DK Metcalf was the bigger, stronger athlete, and he was winning on strength in the press situations. What Darius Slay though was able to do is go into the locker room, assess things, and he had another way to play it. And this was a function of him having multiple tools in his tool belt. For the second half, Darius Slay decided to play off of DK Metcalf. And if you've watched Darius Slay play at all, you understand that he has some of the best feet, if not the best feet, in the league. Which is great, because he's in his 10th year. He still is awesome in his backpedal. He can still mirror. He can still get out of his breaks quickly. 
And he decided to use that tool and he fared a whole lot better in the second half against Metcalf, cutting him off on routes, beating him to the spot and using what he had more of over um, the bigger DK Metcalf. And that's going to, you know, stem into um, some of what I talk about later on in the show, because the main topic of the Uh, podcast today is how to cover big wide receivers so you know that fits well into and I'll reference it again but he had multiple tools at his disposal and so because one thing was not working his the main thing that he wanted to do was not working because Darius Slay is a very good press corner it was not working on this particular day against this wide receiver and he had something else he could go to And I've seen coaches pigeonhole guys into this one technique. This is how we do it. This is the only thing we do. You do it or you don't play. So there's a couple of things working here. The guys that are on the field are stuck with that technique. And they may run into a game, a crucial game, an important game against a, you know, against a wide receiver with a good amount of skill. And you have only given them a hammer to go out on the field with where they also needed a screwdriver and they may have needed a pair of pliers. And it's the worst feeling in the world to be out there and your technique is not working against this particular guy and you know that every time that you line up on this guy, what you're doing is not working. That is a terrible feeling as a defensive back, as a corner, um, to be um, in a situation like that. Especially if you're the one shadowing a guy and you know every time I'm lining up in front of him and I'm outgunned. He has more to work with than I do. The second thing is, you may have players, and I'm talking to my coaches now, you may have players on your team, on your roster that are good players, but they simply are not cut out for the technique that you are trying to have them execute. That might be they're physically, it's not... Um, physically the the technique does not work for them or just from a mental standpoint they're just not grasping it and I understand you know it's sometimes the technique that you're trying to teach you guys allows you to have mash uh, you know control over your guys you don't want guys to go willy-nilly and just be out there doing whatever they want and I'm, I'm saying I'm not telling you to do that I'm telling you to, though, coaches, up your IQ on technique. We want our players to up their IQ in terms of scheme and understanding offensive football so that they can make plays. Well, coaches, up your IQ on technique. Yes, you may have a technique that's pretty good that works for 75% of the guys that you come across. Spend some time in the offseason. Use some of of the resources that are available to you online. Go to coaches' clinics, attend other practices, talk to other DB coaches, learn other techniques, and try to get an understanding of some of them and bring those back to the table and turn them into tools that you can teach to your guys. Because it is it is great to know that if you do find yourself in a situation similar to the one that Darius Slay found himself in in that game against the Seattle Seahawks that you have something else to turn to. There's something else I can pull out of my belt that I can use to get the job done and I'm not just stuck with a hammer when I need a screwdriver and a pair of pliers. And so again, I'm not just talking to my coaches here that are listening to this. I'm also talking to you, the players. Learn other techniques. Have one that you nail down. 
Hopefully, you have matched that technique with one that really matches your skills. So, for instance, if you're a big, long corner, I would say hard press is the way you would need to go. But if you have the opportunity to learn something about playing soft press, there's situations in the game where that would work for you. Even as a tall, long corner, um, where hard press is, you know, really for you, there are times where you can use that soft press to your advantage. There's certain downs and distances, locations on the field, situations where you can use that. So that's just an example. But to summarize this for my coaches and the players out there, have multiple tools in your belt. Spend some time developing all of them while you do have a main technique that you use. You'll thank me for that at some later date. All right. Time for me to reach into the into the mailbag or the DMs. Let me reach into the DMs. There's no longer mail coming anymore. That's an outdated reference. Um, no one sends mail anymore, does anybody? guess we only do that at around Christmas time and things like that. So let me reach into the DMs here and um, answer a couple of questions that uh, have come to me and see if we can all not you know learn something from the both the questions that are getting asked as well as um, you know the answers that you know I may give. All right. Um, checking this one out right here. Um, like I said, I get folks that call that are yeah, I have an international audience that is you know people from all around the world and i like when i get questions from those folks because sometimes it allows us to go back to the basics so um you know i'm 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 happy to be able to answer this question all right and this one's from mark who plays football in germany and he says, what's the technique a DB needs to perfect? I'm from Germany, and yes, I was put at quarterback at the start of the season after playing wide receiver, and I'm asking myself on what to focus the most to get better. All right, well, Mark, let's answer this question. First of all, um, I don't know if I've said this yet on this podcast, but I have definitely uh, made this point on my blog and um, you know on my social media channels. There are Three, first of all, basic moves that you should be able to master, that you need to master as a defensive back. One is a backpedal, right? Um, and I would start there because it's needed at both corner and safety. The people trying to phase it out at cornerback, but if you're playing safety, you definitely need to backpedal. So you need to know how to backpedal. You need to know how to come out of your backpedal. You need, to, you need to get out of your brakes and doing that with efficiency. So you're trying to do that with two steps, a plant and a replace. And uh, the final one is being able to flip your hips. And when I say backpedal, that includes weave as well. So I don't know about your level of understanding of the game, but weave is basically a backpedal, but being able to move left and right because wide receivers don't always run in a straight line. So backpedal, getting out of your brakes, and being able to flip your hips. That will at least allow you to play well in zones and in off-man coverage. And then if there's a fourth move that you need to master, it is being able to have a kick slide. That will help you out in press coverage when you're up near to the wide receiver um, trying to disrupt his route and press man coverage. Develop um, a good kick slide. And so there isn't that one 
thing. If I had to say one thing, a backpedal, but that's just not going to be enough because at some point you got to come out of your backpedals. Um, and so I would say you need to focus on those three things plus that fourth thing if your team happens to be a team that wants to play press man coverage. So uh, once again, a backpedal, um, getting out of your brakes, being able to flip your hips, and then you know the bonus is that kick slide so that you are able to play um, some competent press man coverage. So you would start there. Um, however, Mark, I would say, man, you know, you sent me this question on Instagram. Continue to spend some time on my Instagram channel. Find my YouTube channel, and if you're so inclined, invest in my uh, both my uh, ebook, 101 DB Tips as well as join my members area at alleyesdbcamp.com. So head over there and you'll you know see how to sign up. But start with those basic things right there. All right, one more question that I will field here, and this one's a little bit more in-depth, so I'm going to cut it down here, but comes from Peter Christiana. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. Peter Christina. Peter Christina is his name. And he's asking, basically, as I work through the summer and fall, do I prefer starting with man skills and work to zone skills or vice versa? So uh, I'm assuming this is a coach and he's trying to figure out how he wants to go about teaching his players. Well, Peter, I'm going to say this, that depends. And what that does depend on is what's important to your team. What does your team do the most? Is your Are you primarily a zone team or are you primarily a man team? Once you've answered that question, now you know the areas you need to start with, focus a little bit more on, and then you know what to progress to and maybe spend a little less time on. If you're a heavy zone team, start with zone. Um, you want to start there, get those skills down as fast as possible and spend more time on that because that's what your players are going to spend their most most of their time doing uh, on game day. Uh, I would say throughout the summer, though, you work on both. So, you know, if you're starting right now, let's say you're starting tomorrow and you've got 30 minutes to an hour to work with your guys, you spend 75% of your time working on their zone skills all right, so it goes back to those three major things that I was talking about, pedaling, getting out of breaks, and being able to flip their hips. And then you spend 25% of the time working on press man skills or you know their man-to-man skills. You know, teach them a kick slide, teach them how to use their hands, teach them where to place their eyes, how to keep their eyes locked on a wide receiver's hips, and be able to mirror routes and stay on a guy's hip. So, you know, again, understand your team's defense. Understand what's most important, what you guys do the most, and then you spend most of the time there and you start there. But uh, I wouldn't spend all my time on one thing and then try to move to the next thing. Balance it as you go along, but just spend a little bit more time on what's important. All right. So um, I would recommend to you too, Peter, also hang out on my Instagram as well. And if you are a coach, man, definitely join my All Eyes DB Camp members area and pick up a copy of the book because it sounds like you're new to coaching. All right. All right. Good. So let's slide into the main. Oh, you know what? Before I jump into this, I did ask this question the other day uh, on my YouTube channel and you know, I got the obvious answers, but um, I was just throwing this out there. Do you guys think the NFL should adopt the high school and college pass coverage rules. And with that, 
that means, and I'm probably informing a lot of people here. If you're a fan, I've been shocked by how many fans don't know this rule. In high school and college, you are allowed to make contact with an eligible wide receiver all the way up until the ball is thrown. If you're a fan, I want you to hear me on this and I want you to spread the news on this because too many of y'all do not know this and you comment, I see you commenting on videos that are up on whether it's Twitter or Instagram or any anywhere else on social media and you're saying that's P.I. He made contact past five yards and you're looking at a high school game or you're looking at a college game. In high school and college, you can make contact with an eligible receiver until the ball is thrown. So that means contact can be made 30, 40, 50 yards down the field. You can actually reroute guys at those levels, you know, basically knock them off their feet. Um, there may be some refs that will throw the flag on that. But you can reroute guys past five yards, you know, literally put them off balance, off their route if the ball is still in the quarterback's hands. The five-yard rule is only for the NFL. And we have Mel Blount to think of that. Old time to thank for that. He's an old time cornerback for the Pittsburgh Steelers back in the 70s when they were, you know, a dynasty and uh, they won four Super Bowls. He was a big part of their defense, big, tall, one of the OG big corners, a six foot three guy, 200 plus pounds. And he used to just use that size and strength and speed to bully and dominate wide receivers and it just got so out of hand that they decided to come up with the five yard rule so Mel Blount couldn't just dominate and destroy and wreck everyone's confidence that played wide receiver in the league so they had that rule I will say this at the time wide receivers were coming out of a three-point stance in the league and they were not nearly as athletic most of them a matter of fact, the most athletic wide receivers in the league at that time played for the Steelers, and they were his teammates, Lynn Swan and John Stallworth. And, you know, a lot of the other guys just um, were not athletic like that. Back then, the best athletes played running back. And, you know, occasionally you get wide receivers out there who could do it, but, you know, a lot of them weren't like that. And, again, coming out of three-point stances. And they certainly were not as good as releasing uh, at releasing off of the line of scrimmage as they are today. Um, you know, bump and run and press coverage was fairly new in those days and guys just didn't really understand and know how to get away from it. Certainly not to the level at which they understand that now. Um, so it is uh, certainly a different game. And so now with the increased skill level, knowledge, etc., should the NFL now go back to uh, the old rules where you can have contact with an eligible wide receiver up until the ball is thrown? Just a thought. I think that would go against everything that the league stands for right now at this point in time, which is they want points. There are a lot of people playing fantasy you know, football. And you know, I think a good amount of those people that play the fantasy football would not be otherwise that in tune to the games on a Sunday or a Monday. I think there are a lot of people out there would, that would much rather be watching Netflix or doing something of that nature if they uh, were not playing fantasy football, so they have a vested interest in it. And so fantasy football is really fueled by points being scored offensively. There's points for catches and touchdowns from wide receivers and tight ends and running backs and running back scoring touchdowns and quarterback throwing touchdowns. So you know, the league really likes to promote offense, unfortunately, for us on this dark side of this thing. 
And so that would kind of go against it. But man, we are going to reach a point here where things get kind of ridiculous. Pass interference, I personally believe, is out of control in the NFL. And we kind of need to, you know, reel things in here a little bit. I personally enjoyed watching the Legion of Boom play football. But I'm a football purist, as probably a good amount of you listening to this are. I like to see some good defensive football every now and then. Do I want all the games on Sunday to be 14 to 10 or 10 to 7? No, I don't. Um, you know, I, I, I'm i a guy who played on the offensive side of the ball, too. Uh, I was an offensive coordinator for a while. So I can find some enjoyment in a 35 to 31 football game, especially if there's some schematic genius being used on the offensive side of the ball. I have respect for that. I don't totally hate offense. Um, I don't hate it at all. I like anything that's... Um, where there's some effort put in, into it and there's some genius involved, whether that's offensive schematics or defensive schematics. So let me just say that. However, though, the ease at which wide receivers can go about their business nowadays just disturbs me a little bit. And they're more cocky now than ever. And some of them don't have a good amount of reverence for the receivers that played in the generations before them. And it's because their numbers are easily eclipsing the numbers of the you know players and the generations before them, and there are reasons for that. It's easier to operate. You know, it was a very tough thing to go across the middle back in the day. And I'm not here to go ahead and rail against those rules that have been made to keep those players safer in the game. Guys are bigger and faster, and if we kept those same rules from back in the 80s and 90s, you know, guys would be a vegetable. Uh, once they're done playing this game. So I understand that. But okay, we've taken a lot of that part out of the game. Well, how about we balance it out by just allowing guys to play a little bit better defense? Do you guys realize how difficult it is for an NFL defensive back to cover these wide receivers who are more athletic, they have better agility, better knowledge of uh, how to get open and evade, and then now you can't touch them? You guys have no idea how difficult that is. I would love to take some fans and um, put them through the NFL DB experience. Remember when they used to have the Mike Vick experience? It was a ride at one of those amusement parks. I'd love to put some fans through a NFL DB experience and just give them a little bit of an idea of what it's like to try and mirror some of these guys, the Justin Jeffersons and the Jamar Chases and the Tyreek Hills and the Jalen Waddles of the world. Last year, I watched the Miami Dolphins go to Tampa uh, for joint practices. And as good as Carlton Davis um, and the rest of the defensive backs for Tampa Bay were, those guys did not touch Jalen Waddle and uh, Tyreek Hill for three days. It was amazing to watch. They just did not touch those guys. And if you ever got, you know, all of the ground level film that you get, because that really shows you the speed of it, Waddle and Hill off the line of scrimmage and then down the field within those first 10, 15 yards, it's frightening. And you're telling me I can't touch those guys past five yards? I don't know, NFL, you might. It might be a good thing to consider perhaps relaxing that rule a little bit and Balancing off the fact that you can't come across the middle and take a wide receiver's head off. Let's balance that up with, you know, allowing the DBs, the corners, 
and even the guys in the slot to, you know, maybe I do make some contact with a guy beyond five yards. I'm not saying hold him, but man, I ought to be able to put my hands on a guy as he progresses downfield for crying out loud. Come on, throw us a bone there. All right, let's jump into uh, the main topic here, and that is how to cover big wide receivers. This is, um, I have this feeling just in some of the polling that I've done and talking to guys that I think big wide receivers strike more fear, at least in the younger defensive backs, than extremely speedy wide receivers. I think a lot of defensive backs come into this thing expecting to run into fast wide receivers. I don't think they are mentally prepared a lot of times for the six foot two, six foot three guy who is 200 or 200 plus pounds. I think that strikes fear into them. And one of the reasons is you can, you know, have good coverage on a guy like that and he still catches the football. And there becomes this little feeling of helplessness, you know, if that starts happening more than once in a game. You start feeling there's nothing I can do. I'm in, I mean, I have good coverage on this guy and he's catching the ball anyway. And then sometimes guys will psych themselves out going into a matchup like that. And that's, that's bad news. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how you can go about approaching a game where you're going to be playing a big wide receiver and not have a situation where you're getting totally manhandled. You know, some, and so some defensive backs get intimidated by the size of receiver. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that's you listening. Um, it could be you. Um, you know, if you're listening to this by yourself, just go ahead and admit that to yourself. But um, if this ever has been you or someone you know, um, I think this is, a, you know, the part of the podcast you might want to sit forward and, you know, pay attention. If you were just letting this thing play in the background, you might want to now tick Take your focus to what's happening on this podcast now and listen in. The first thing you need to be able to do when you're in that matchup with that big wide receiver is know yourself. The first step in winning any battle at all is having a keen and honest knowledge of yourself. You got to know what your strengths are. You got to know what your weaknesses are. You got to know, am I good in press? Um, Do I have the feet and technique to play off? You know, I gave you that example with Darius Slay earlier. You know, when you're playing press, are you strong? Are you aggressive? Um, or is playing soft press more your comfort zone? You got to know yourself. Once you have a strong sense of who you are, now you can adequately determine what tools you're going to use in your matchup against your big opponent. And this goes back to me saying um, it is best for guys to have multiple tools when they're going into matchups. Can you imagine being a five foot eight or a five foot nine defensive back? And the only tool you have is press. It's the only thing you've ever trained. It's the only thing you know anything about. And you're going up against a six foot three, six foot four guy, and you, you know, basically you've got your back turned all the time, and he's stronger, and he's moving you off the line of scrimmage, and you just really don't have enough confidence in your off man, which you probably could use, because it stands to reason as a five foot eight, five foot nine guy, you should have better feet and be able to cut off routes. It'd be nice to have that. Um, so you've got to take a good evaluation of yourself hopefully you have multiple tools and so you got to say to yourself what tools am I going to use to get the job done against this big wide receiver the next thing is uh, studying your opponent you should know how the wide receiver is that you're going to face before you get to game day you know no one wants to show up pregame and get completely blown away by how big the guy is that you have to match up against you don't want to figure that out you don't want to learn that on game day do a little research 
Make sure you watch all the film available on him and use the sources on the internet to get an accurate description of his height and weight. All right. The next thing you got to do is do due diligence on his skills. Is he strong versus press? You know, even though a guy is big, is he actually physical? Some physical, some big guys aren't physical. They've been big all their life, have never really had to use it, and they just seem intimidating, but they're not really that. Has anyone really pressed the guy? If not, he may not be all that good in dealing with press. So even though you're smaller, you can use press this game. That's the tool that's going to work. Sometimes big guys intimidate people so much that they, like I said, never really get tested. So for all you know, he's a big teddy bear out there. How is a guy in getting out of his break? Is he a lumbering big guy that beats the drum and gives off clues to the routes that he's going to run? That's a little bit of DK Metcalf, though he's worked hard each and every year to try and clean that up. He's still a guy that doesn't really get out of those breaks as well because he's just so big and muscular. Can I use that to my advantage? How is he at catching the football? Does he win most of the 50-50 balls that come his way? Winning a physical matchup like this is going to come as a result of your preparation for the battle. So, you know, if you're if your bigger wide receiver that you're going up against is really solid in all phases, then you know what? You spend a good amount of time studying the quarterback. Go to the guy that's actually going to be throwing him the ball. The truth of the matter is that the wide receiver can be as big as he wants. He can be as great as he wants. If his quarterback has weaknesses, then you can exploit those to prevent the big guy from catching the ball. Are the routes are can the quarterback throw all the routes? Does he give off signals as to what is coming? Study the signal caller. Maybe he gives you some clues and you can go jump some things and beat that big wide receiver to the spot. All right. Third thing you're going to need to do is play to your strengths. And that just is common sense. If the receiver is significantly bigger than you, then you should have either the quickness or speed advantage. You know, as I've said already, you should know yourself. If you're a smaller defensive back, you should already have been putting in the work on your technique and your IQ. These two things should make you pretty sound in playing off man. So now you can go to the off man in a similar fashion to Darius Slay did in the second half of that game against the Seahawks and DK Metcalf. You know, if your opponent's really good versus press, then you're going to play off in this game. And you're going to use your technique to cut off his routes. Your superior feet and proper study should put you in a position to beat him to the spot on a lot of the passes that are coming his way. Beating him to the spot or cutting him off from his routes can limit the effectiveness and frustrate the guy. If you're really good in press, despite being smaller, use that in the beginning. Let's see how that works for you. You should do that especially if you see that the bigger receiver is not very good versus press or you know he's not had much experience against it. If you're looking at film and everyone's played off, he's playing against a bunch of guys that are using zone, you coming up there to the line of scrimmage, even though you're smaller than him, could be a problem. He might not know how to deal with it. So you can try that in spurts in the beginning and just see how he handles it. You should not be intimidated from pressing him if that's what you're really good at. Just be smart about how you deploy it. You know, use proper leverage when you're in the red zone. And if you have help on certain plays, make sure you know where to position yourself to properly use your help. You know, football is a team game, and I know a lot of guys, when they hear man coverage, they just think they're out there on an island, but that's not always true, man. There's different types of man coverage, and there's help in different places. Make sure you use your help. 
Don't go. Don't have this big ego and get yourself crushed. Then the final thing, the fourth thing, is win the mental game. The last thing you need to do going into a matchup is defeat yourself before the first snap happens. If you've prepared, then you're in position to win. If you studied, you're in position to win. Now, you must think and act like victory is yours. The truth of the matter is, is that size does not equal a win. I've seen smaller guys take out big guys plenty watching this game. Preparation is what leads to victory. If you've studied yourself and your opponent, then you have what you need to make a victorious game plan. Once that plan has been established, believe in it, and then you have to believe in your ability to execute it. You already know as a defensive back that receivers will win some of the battles. That'll just happen. That's part of this position. What you're trying to win is the overall war. Don't get dejected if you, you know, the big wide receiver jumps over to you and catches a ball here or there. Or if he muscles you off of the line of scrimmage for a play or two. Don't go falling in the tank over that. Move on to the next phase in your plan and execute. Not to sound too cliche, but he might win a battle. However, again, you're there to win the war. So stay in your plan and stay strong mentally. All right. So those are the four things you need to do. Win the mental game, play to your strengths, study your opponent, and know yourself. And I promise you, you can go do things that you didn't believe you could do against that big wide receiver. And if he happens to be a well-known guy, a five-star guy, a guy leading the league or the conference, and you go in there and handle your business, this could be your coming out party. could be your chance to get the exposure that you need and deserve. So um, see that big wide receiver as a challenge and an opportunity for you. And if you go about preparation in this way, victory can and should be yours. All right. That's going to wrap up the show here for me. I uh, hope that you guys uh, got what you needed to get out of, especially that part of this podcast, but everything that we went, that I had going down. If you have questions or comments about anything that I've talked about on the show today, feel free to reach out to me, cwilson at alleyesdbcamp.com. Again, that's cwilson at alleyesdbcamp.com. Again, I appreciate you guys checking in and joining the show. Um, I love what I've got going on here and I want to continue to build it. So if you're not yet a subscriber, whatever you're listening to this on, whether it's, you know, um, podcasters, which was formerly Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever you're using to listen to this, go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you're happy with what you heard here today. Um, and then also make use of my resources. If you're a player, coach, trainer of this game, I have the ebook. 101 db tips you can find it at 101 dbtips.com or you can go to all eyesdbcamp.com and consider joining my members area over 200 videos on uh, db tips techniques um, i talk about coverages in there i explain coverages uh, break down some of the plays that have gone out there some of the one-on-one matchups a lot of good stuff in there for you again if you're a player or a coach um, or even a trainer of of defensive backs you'll find that interesting as well so two really great resources there for you there's so much information guys when i started playing ball there i had to go digging for information i think my next podcast i'm going to talk about some of the things that i had to do to study this game when i first became um, a defensive back i think that'd be you know some good topics that'd be a good topic for the next uh program just kind of giving you my journey in in becoming a player of this game and what had to be done um, so you guys would have an appreciation for what you have available to you now. Make use of those resources. All right. Once again, guys, I appreciate you guys joining here 
uh, joining the Indie Drills podcast. And until next week, you guys enjoy it. Lock somebody down while you're at it. All right. Talk to you guys next week.